2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, May the 22nd, 2022. It's 52222. And today on the program, uh, we don't know where Chris Gullow is. Uh, he connected, he was here earlier today. Um, he showed up to the broadcast. Um, he arrived at the WrestleLamics studio. He was informed of his participation in today's broadcast. But subsequent to that, he summarily and unprofessionally walked out. Uh, his action disappointed dozens and dozens of WrestleLamics listeners. And quite frankly, he should be ashamed of himself. Here he is. Here he is. What do you have to say for yourself? you, summarily, you hear me? Can, I you can, can hear me? You, I, can, I can hear you well. Are you ready to apologize for your unprofessional <laughs> conduct?
3: I, I can only blame Hewlett Packard. I'm keeping you on this
2: little screen, too. For those watching on YouTube, um, Golo's laptop failed. He is now in a small uh, mobile device-sized box. Uh, portrait, not landscape. Uh, but nonetheless, the show must go on. We must persevere against these challenges. And we will talk about... What, what are we going to talk about? You sound okay, actually. What are we going to talk about today? Do you, know? Do you remember?
3: Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about Stephanie McMahon taking a leap of absence from uh wwe uh we're also going to discuss the upfronts this week and of course the the uh the walkout as well as a few other uh, tops and subjects i'm Actually, gonna be just kind of breaking with
2: news it. i have some breaking news right now it just came through my ear uh your merchandise uh on the russell Adams website has been canceled no more merchandise for you um thank you
3: all references to me will be deleted
2: yes <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, have you watched Succession yet on HBO Max? I have not. I know you've been telling me to watch it. Shame on you. But you say it's very oh, shame on you. We, we, uh, we, we may make some comparisons today to it. Um, uh, if people want to send in a uh, a super chat, how do they do that, Chris Call.
3: All right, so there in a little YouTube, you'll see there's a little dollar sign. Uh, you can ask a question and put whatever monetary value that you believe is proficient for that uh question uh and you know any any questions or fair game when it comes to the wrestling business
2: yes we may or may not answer them if they are inappropriate questions but if they are appropriate questions we will we will do our best um so where would you like to start today
3: all right so uh we are uh, I, I do not have the slideshow now of course so well, you can, we are
2: going to- can you can you see this can you see this? Yeah, I can see this. Okay. Yes. Well, that, so. that should be fine.
3: So, yeah, we are we are going to start with the news that Stephanie McMahon, I know this because i looked at the slides before, uh, mm-hmm. is taking a leave of absence. This is what she said on Twitter. As of tomorrow, I'm taking leave of absence from the majority of my responsibilities at WWE. WWE is a lifelong legacy for me, and I look forward to returning to the company that I love after taking this time to focus on my family.
2: Yes. Um, so... This this happened on Thursday, 4:30 p.m. Eastern. Notably, that may coincidentally or not, that is 30 minutes after the New York Stock Exchange closed. Uh, Closes at four. Uh, This was a couple days after the network upfronts for Fox and ABC Universal, a very important event that we'll talk about in a little bit more depth later. uh, That has to do with the network showing all of its great content to advertisers. Uh, showing showing them what the, the, the upcoming season is going to look like for, for television. Um, so she is leaving, temporarily, temporarily leaving WWE. Uh, I, I'm told by WWE that she's expected back. Uh, presumably, this is more than just, you know, two weeks. She's not just taking two weeks of vacation off here. I would think that she, you know, she's a McMahon family member, so I don't know if she ever goes on vacation, but pre- presumably... Uh, employees are, are earning something like a two two weeks of vacation per week. I think that's in Nikon's contract uh, that we've seen, which has been disclosed. Um, so, who knows how long she'll be out for? Um, the reasons that I've been given is that it's just that she's been working for a really long time. Uh, Paulovac health issues, which were disclosed in September, uh, caused her to reassess. Paulovac retired as a wrestler as a wrestler uh, publicly in March, just before WrestleMania. Paul Levesque is, still, is is back to working full-time. He's not overseeing NXT in Orlando, but he's back to working full-time as, as an executive. He is still an executive vice president for WWE. Uh, he participated in the annual shareholders meeting on Thursday, bef- the same day that this was announced by Stephanie. Uh, he participated. This, this meeting was at 1 p.m. This is not open to the public, but it was open to shareholders. Slamwrestling.com has a report from someone who tuned in virtually to the shareholders meeting and Noted that Paul Levesque was participating in that shareholders' meeting, so he's around. It's not as if he's leaving here, too. You don't get that indication at all. Uh, employees, uh, maybe some new, but many of them learned about Stephanie McMahon's leave of absence when she tweeted it. Uh, she also shared the same message on LinkedIn. Um, for what it's worth, she's removed her her work history from LinkedIn, which previously i believe had had all of her you know her her various positions and the timeline of her various positions with wb um what do you think's happening here chris call uh, you know, she, just, she just wants to take off time t- take some time off she has never really had a real break maybe certainly she's been working hard for a long time
3: i think the big thing though with that is is why is she taking the break Though I mean, we talked uh, when the news came out that maybe she realizes it's not going to totally be her company i mean this looks to be set up that Nick Kahn would possibly be the chairman once Vince is, uh, is
2: passed. Well, and if I could be pedantic for a moment. we Chairman, so we always call Vince the chairman, the chairman yeah. of the board and, and the CEO. So you could have a chairman who's one person and a CEO who's another person. The chairman just refers to a position on the board of directors. By the way, I should note that Stephanie, I've been told, is remaining a member of the board of directors. She has been a member of the board of directors since 2015. Paul Levesque has been as well. Uh, what Part of what happens at the annual shareholders meeting is that there are elected member, well, there are candidates who are nominated to be members of the board of directors. It's basically a formality. There's 12 of them uh, who were disclosed in the proxy statement that came out in April, um, including some new members, but but Stephanie and Paul were were, were nominated. Um, they were all approved. They're, they did publish an 8K on Friday about that. Um, I mean, we, we can, bump ahead here to to see who has the voting power um vince mcmahon is basically deciding this he has 80 percent of the votes uh so it's it's a formality whatever he wants is going to happen even if everybody else votes the other way uh his vote is is really the only one that matters is the only one that's going to decide anything Um, because oh my god Moving on, Uh, so Vince has about a third of the shares uh, because he's got preferred class. He gets 10x voting power. He he controls over 80% of the shares. Depending on I I don't know if diluted share share discrepancy to basic share discrepancy comes into play here. But anyway, uh, Stephanie owns 2.5% of all WWE shares. Um, She has preferred class of shares too because she's a McMahon family member. She's a descendant of Vince and Linda. Paul doesn't get preferred class of shares. Shane used to have them. Shane liquidated all of his stock. Um, uh, Linda has a, a relatively small amount as well. She has less than 1% of, of the uh, of the company. Uh, so so that that gives Stephanie about 5% of the voting uh, power. But, you know, as I said, Vince controls the company. Uh, some have speculated that, well, maybe she's going to follow in Linda's footsteps and get into politics, run for office. Uh, FEC records don't show Stephanie making any contributions to political campaigns since 2015, so I would be surprised if that's the case. Um, but we we can look back at. I think it would be informative to look back at some some moments in history that I want to call out over the last geez almost 20 years uh, of Stephanie's rise. In, in the corporate structure of WWE and other family members. Uh, events around other family members as well. Uh, I remember when I was watching uh, WWF Raw as a teenager in the Attitude Era and uh, Stephanie McMahon suddenly became a character on television. Shane had been a character on television to that time. Of course, he'd been a referee and he'd been, you know, you could find him in, in some library footage going way back. Um, but Stephanie shows up as, a, as an on-screen character. She had worked as a, as a model in, in merchandising, of course, and I think she had even worked as a receptionist for WWE. But anyway, in 2006, uh, after working in creative for, for a number of years, I think already to that point, she was promoted to Senior Vice President of Creative Writing. That was her title. Uh, and then in November 2007, she was promoted to Executive Vice President. Um, it was something I, I noticed today just in researching, just doing some last-minute research that I wasn't aware of, in December 2008, Bruce Prichard was fired from WWE. So that's, we, all, we may be familiar, people listening are probably familiar. Bruce Prichard um, had done his podcast in recent years, and, uh, but now is back in WWE. Uh, but in December 2008, Bruce Prichard was fired from WWE, reportedly by Stephanie McMahon. Keep that in mind. Uh, Shane leaves WWE as, as a corporate executive no shane is not yes shane returned as a performer but has only been a performer perhaps he was also a producer uh effectively de facto at at times but he has not returned to a corporate role since he left at the very end of 2009 that also aligns with the timing that linda left the company to to run for u.s senate twice uh she did not win either time of course um and then during that time, you get Paul of X wrestling career winding down, and, and him wrestling less often, and him becoming uh, more more of a, a corporate officer in the company, uh, going from executive senior advisor to executive vice president uh, by 2011. So the Stephanie and Triple H uh, power starts to rise in the company. You get, get Shane moving out of the way. Um, it's not clear to me what what the relationship is like. It's it's, it's fascinating. I don't want to go too far in inventing theories but the we we did hear Shane in his he did an interview f- several years ago just after he returned as a performer in 2016 he did it, one of those interviews with uh Mick Foley on the network where there's this awkward moment where you know Mick asks him what his relationship is like with with Paul and he goes oh it's fine and the, he it has a very short answer it le- leaves me to wonder what that relationship is really like and just imagine I'm imagining um, holidays in the McMahon household um, but anyway um, Shane is out somebody like Bruce Pritchard is out I don't know if that's a big deal but he, he's somebody who was with the company Bruce Pritchard was for a very long time uh, he leaves the company Shane leaves the company and, and if nothing else I would think that leads more power to be absorbed by by Paul Levesque and, and Stephanie, uh, who of course are married. Um, in December 2013, at the end of the year, uh, Stephanie is named to her current title, Chief Brand Officer. Um, then we flash forward to some six years later, maybe five and a half years later, and Bruce Pritchard, after doing something to wrestle with and doing lots of impressions of Vince McMahon on podcasts. <laughs> I, 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 by the way, I just want just to condemn anybody who does Vince McMahon impressions on their podcast, by the way. Anyway, uh, he, returns. <laughs> he returns to WWE, uh, sort of taking over those roles that uh, Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman were originally appointed to uh, for a short time, uh, less than a year prior. Uh, so that happens. Bruce Pritchard returns, returns to some power in WWE, uh, August 2020. Nick Kahn becomes the president and chief revenue officer. Uh, and by September, 2021 NXT 2.0 is relaunched just after W discloses that Paul vac had a cardiac event. Uh, he since went on, uh, with on ESPN with Stephen A. Smith and talked about the health issues that he was having. Um, and that brings us to this month where Stephanie announces that she's taking a leave of absence. Um, I'm, t- I'm told that she'll be back eventually. But I, I don't know. No, nobody knows when. Uh, or at least we don't know when. Um, so that's all happening. Um, I think part of what's happening, at least to Triple H, um, is that if you look back to... I, I guess we could, we could you know, look, look back at this timeline that people can see on the screen of the, the early 2010s where the Stephanie and Paul Aveck duo gain more power and then there's fewer people around them who uh, who, who would seem to have that power including Bruce Prichard going away Shane McMahon going away, even Linda to whatever that matters going away um, and then as we get more towards the present, you know, NXT doesn't turn out to be as successful on the USA Network as they would like, it doesn't beat Dynamite in the ratings, it doesn't apparently get an upgrade in TV rights value uh, that they had probably hoped that it got uh, and Paul Levesque falls from power perhaps there are political machinations uh, that benefit from paul Avec, uh losing power uh including the likes of of bruce pritchard kevin dunn john laurenitis johnny ace returning to to a talent relations role so all of that happening as uh, perhaps power shifting so any thoughts before we we, we move forward here yeah, I was going to bring up. Um,
3: I don't even know if you have it handy, but she definitely talked less this last quarterly conference call than the previous couple, didn't she? If I remember correctly, yeah,
2: I think you're right about that. Um, she, and that's an important thing to note is that Stephanie has been uh, participating, especially since the the exit of George Barrows and Michelle Wilson. Something we can note too, you know, pretty important executives. The. The second and third most important executives in WB until January 2020. Um, they leave WB. And part of what happened there is, yes, they put Nick Khan in, a, in, a, in the second most important role. He becomes president of the company. But uh, I think, you know, Stephanie really took over. So, I mean, her, her title is chief brand officer, but it's sort of another way of saying chief marketing officer. Uh, she took a lot of the vacuum that was left by uh, Michelle Wilson and it, it, you know, 2020 and forward coincides with the elevation of her in terms of at least participating in, in earnings calls. And I imagine that indicates something broader also. Uh, but I do think you're right. I am, uh, it'll take me a second to look it up, but I do think you're right that she talked somewhat less. But I don't, I wouldn't say it, it, it stood out to me as, as meaningful. But um, there
3: also wasn't many exciting things for her. Like we've, the, previous conference calls, the zombies and all this other stuff that she's really bragged about. She didn't have any, like, memorable comments the past conference call, which means her excitement was probably not where it normally is.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't put a ton of stock into that, but it is it's plausible to me that maybe she knew that she was going to take a leave of absence at that yeah. time and just get through the earnings call, which was on May 5th get through the upfronts, which are very important. And I'm sure she plays an important role in that as the chief brand officer and all, all the, the relationships with advertisers and networks. Um, so I think we can share this. This is a, a break a stacked column chart that shows the breakdown of the percentage of words that that anybody on the on the W earnings calls says, uh, just using the transcripts, and she, she spoke 12% of the words, and you know that was less than the last two times, but not out of the out of out of the range of what she usually says. I, I think it was just a, a less newsworthy um, earnings call than, than in the past. but uh, there's that. So how do I get rid of this? There we go. So what I th- what I could speculate might be happening here is um, if you look at the value of W's TV rights, Currently, especially considering not just average annual value, which is what we talk about often, right two hundred and five million for Smackdown, two hundred and sixty five million for raw, two hundred million for the network content on peacock that 's the u s value for a year over the course of the term of the contract, and each one of those contracts is five years long. Raw and Smackdown are aligned they, ex- they start and expire at the same time. Peacock will expire. Uh, about a year and a half later or so, in, I believe, March 2026. Um, Over the five-year course of those contracts, that's a value of about $3.4 billion just for the U.S. rights. Um, We talked about a few weeks ago, I laid out all the reasons, all the math behind why AEW and WWE will probably get an increase. And I would put the baseline expectation for what WWE can get in its next round of US TV rights fees at about 1.5 times what they currently get. So we take all... And let's let's throw Peacock in here too. Maybe you can make an argument that Peacock would be different. I don't know. But let's put Peacock in here too and assume that Peacock is perhaps due for a 1.5x increase as well. So we end up with what's currently worth, over the course of five years, $3.4 billion, ends up being worth $5 billion, perhaps, in the next term of deals. Uh, that's a lot of money. And if you're NBC Universal or whatever TV partner that might want these rights, uh, these rights for sports are really important, but also getting really expensive. And... It's sort of like renting a home versus owning a home, uh, as as I am sometimes reminded, and and you're already ahead of the game here, Chris. Gall. Yes. Why are why why continue to rent a home when you can own one, and you can own that equity, and uh, maybe eventually sell it ra- rather than just paying money to a landlord that just goes away? W is kind of the landlord in this situation. Uh, these networks license the content and then they have to renew it every several years. Uh, so $5 billion could be what the, these major W rights are worth in the next term, which let's assume it's another five-year deal that would run from the end of 2014 through uh, the end of 2029. So the rest of the decade, um, $5 billion. And as people can see on the screen, that's more than the current market capitalization of WE as a company. What's market cap?
3: That, that is the uh, total like value of the company with all its assets, isn't it? Is, is that what I'm correct? It's
2: the total value of all the shares based on shares. the current share price, which is, is as as simple as uh, the number of shares shifts for some reason that accountants could explain to us. Uh, but uh, there's about about seventy five million shares at any given time in WWE. Uh, if you just multiply that by the current share price, which as of the close of the market on Friday is about sixty dollars, you get about four and a half. Of billion dollars so I, I i i if i'm NBC universal let's let's cut to the chase here if i'm NBC universal i don't want to renew licensing of raw and of peacock i would rather just own the content i would rather just own the company and then not have to worry about renewing my lease on my apartment every few years, and just own my house, and then use my house, and I can remodel my house however I want. I can do whatever I want to it, and not have to worry about what the landlord thinks of it. Um, and uh, you know, you know, Fox owns SmackDown. NBCU doesn't own SmackDown, but maybe there's some place for me to to put SmackDown. Uh, it, it's helpful, at least to a potential acquirer of wb that fox uh the fox deal for smackdown expires at the same time so i don't know where that would fit in in nbc universal's world i haven't given that a lot of thought where smackdown could go but obviously nbc universal not that not that long ago own these rights and i don't know there's probably not something that's a better strategy on friday night on usa network or um they used to be on Tuesday night, which is where NXT is right now. I don't know where NXT ends, ends up, if this is a scenario that, that in any way approaches reality in the, in the next several years. Um, but uh, I, I, uh, I'm teetering. I'm looking over the edge here, Griscolo. And I, I might, might be joining you here in this, this theory that maybe WWE is going to be acquired. Now, when it happens... Is not going to be until the, these deals are being discussed, which maybe they're being discussed now. Um, and maybe they're starting to be discussed now. I, I'm, I believe that these are long negotiations. This is not one meeting. This is a long-term negotiation.
3: So would you think 2024 is the deadline for a sale, you think?
2: I I, th- I, think a new deal, whether it's the acquisition of WWE or a new deal for TV rights, gets gets announced about a year and a half, if history is any indication, it's become we, we learn about it about a year and a half in advance of the of the deal actually expiring. These deals, the Ron Smackdown deals expire at the end of September 2024. So about a year and a half before that would be the spring of 2023, about a year from now, one year from now, start the countdown. Um, so that's when, when it when we would learn. And uh, who knows how long it would take them to I don't I'm not uh, I, I don't have the knowledge to tell you about how long it would take to close and complete a sale of WWE, but it would take some time, um, so it wouldn't be instant. But uh, maybe maybe the strategy is being clarified for WWE that, to be clear, is purely speculation on my part, maybe the, the strategy is beginning to be clarified for WWE that um, it just makes a lot more sense to... If not NBC Universal, I think NBC Universal by far is the one that makes the most sense for, and we can discuss why. Um, but maybe the strategy is being clarified that we're going to sell the company, and if I'm Stephanie McMahon, I, I don't know if that's what I want. You know, maybe I want—I've worked f- for decades here at uh, trying to become a, a, an important leader in the company. I want to lead the company and become CEO someday. Maybe uh, that's not great news for me. Uh, so maybe I, I'm just saying. Well, I'm just going to take a leave of absence for a while. Um, maybe that's what's happening here. I don't know, um, but that's what makes a lot of sense to a network. Maybe NBC Universal. Um, do you think there are other players that would want to acquire WWE?
3: Um, I mean, obviously, everyone throws Disney out there for the intellectual property. We've seen Disney acquire a lot of the non-traditional stuff, uh, you know, including all the Fox Studios purchases and all that. Um I don't I I mean Disney you got to put Disney out there you know I mean it's more sports content for ESPN but I don't think I can't see Fox buying the whole thing. It just something tells me it just wouldn't happen. Um, um
2: I I have not prepared research for this but I, after I mean they did sell a lot, a lot of uh, assets to Disney so maybe they have some money to spend but um I don't know. Um I think it Universal makes the most sense. You could Maybe, maybe Disney. And, and, and just like TV rights, it's important to have many bidders when you're trying to sell any asset, I suppose. Um, so for, for WWE's sake and for the, the price that they can run up on, on the sale of their company, if that's what they're doing, um, would... A fang know, wouldn't buy it, right? Uh, like, it, was, it was suggested to somebody casually, to me casually, just a friend, not not anybody in the wrestling business, that will, would, would Netflix want to buy it? And I, I don't think so, because I think um, it makes more sense for, for NBCU, because NBCU is so deeply invested in, in this content already. If they lost W content, they would have to replace it with something. And as we've discussed before, wrestling is pretty cheap content for the, for the viewership that it delivers. Maybe, maybe the ad rates are not as great as, I'm sure the ad rates are not as good as other live sports, but it's pretty cheap content relative to scripted programming, at least. And um, Universal owns theme parks. Netflix does not own theme parks. Fox, to my knowledge, does not own theme parks. Um, and we heard uh, Nick Kahn discuss kind of, kind of poo-poo, the, the uh, Universal Studios. Uh, in an interview recently, who was he talking to? Do you remember? Who, was he, who did he do an interview with recently where he, he, he discussed? It was Universal. Ariel hawani before no, it was WrestleMania? After Ariel, but I forget. Uh, he, he, there was an interview, and I'm, I'm sure we discussed it at the time, where he talked about uh, about sort sort of the lack of IP that is at Universal Studios. But imagine if there were. WWE attractions at Universal Studios, so I think there's a fit there, not just in terms of the the deep investment that NBC Universal has already made in WWE content, and there's a, there's a useful application for for theme parks here. Um, if I look, at, if this is assuming this is the right way to look at this, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Comcast, which is the parent company of NBC Universal, has 8.7 billion dollars on their uh, balance sheet in cash, so that's Almost twice as much uh, as the market capital of WWE. So what I'm getting to here is that WB, or, uh, Comcast could probably afford this pretty pretty comfortably. Um, now, who would have to decide this is, is Brian Roberts, the Comcast CEO, perhaps Jeff Shell, the NBC Universal CEO. They would have a lot to say about whether or not uh, this is going to happen, if it's, if it's even happening again purely speculation on on our part here. Um, So uh, I I, light shed on their podcast this week mentioned and this is this is new information to me that Brian Roberts was hesitant about uh, acquiring the W content for Peacock. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, that 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 seems to have worked out very well for them or at least very well for WWE. Uh, So there's a there's an image of Jeff shell hanging out with Dwayne and XFL owner Dwayne Johnson. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh does this sound uh plausible to you, first of I mean, we've we talked about it
3: before, uh, that they just it just makes the most fit. You know, why you just brought up earlier in this show. Why keep paying for this when you can own it? The amount of money that they're putting out to WWE and the you know the theme park idea, like it we've also heard that rumor for years that the Hall of Fame would be on Universal City Walk. Well, I'm sure if NBC Universal actually bought it, they would put it in City Walk, and then you'd also could have the Rock ride and the Steve Austin ride, and I think it would be a lot of lazy. Because uh, um, hey, MJ put in the chat, imagine if there was a Sasha and Naomi ride right now. Uh, I, I think it would be a lot of legacy, like uh, wrestlers uh, having
2: having uh, rides or the, the whatever. Cena, like, you can't see me ride and so forth yeah. and, and things of that nature. Thank you, MJ from NJ, for the blank 99-cent super chat. We appreciate it. Um, so I, I, I think that's all I really had to say about, about the Stephanie story for now. Um, yeah, and, and any other questions or things to add here? Um, no, as, as far as, as studios, it makes a lot, more, a lot of sense to license it, and that has very much become the strategy ever since Nikon has joined the company. Uh, the licensing the content from the network rather than direct to consumer to a, to a big player who can afford to, to pay you more for it than you can monetize for it yourself, and uh, all these incremental deals that they're making uh, on on everything. I don't know why lottery tickets always comes to mind for me, but it often it often does. They've made a lottery scratch off lottery ticket deal, uh, but the trading cards uh, with the fanatics deal and things like that.
3: Um, um, the only thing I would, you know we won't ponder it here, but like what does Stephanie do next if she left the company? I know we had a lot of fun when we talked about Triple H, if you you know Paul Levesque leaving the company. That might be an interesting bonus episode or something. Like, What can Stephanie do? I have some ideas that she'd probably be very good at.
2: Yeah, just to anticipate some uh, wrestling fan speculation, let's call it. uh, Are they going to start a new wrestling company? I highly doubt it. No. Um, they, I guess they could if they wanted to. They were probably in a pretty good position to do that. Uh, if, if Stephanie wanted to liquidate all of her stock, it's worth about $116 million. Uh, that's, that's good starting money, I guess. Uh, and they undoubtedly have a lot of relationships with people that they could get you know, useful meetings with people if they wanted to do that. I'm sure, though, that they have a non-compete agreement that would keep them from doing anything for probably at least a year. If, if that's not part of their employment agreement, then it's probably part of their agreement uh, when they became board, members of the board of directors. So um, I would not expect. I mean, it makes. I, I see Triple H, I guess, as more of a wrestling guy. I see Stephanie as more likely to not do something in wrestling. Um, yeah. But and, and I, I, I doubt politics. Maybe for. Fl- fl- philanthropy she certainly made a lot of connections and has done done a lot of work through wb community and things like that
3: i think tv and film too being involved in maybe a studio or something might be good for her especially the way she is with marketing and branding
2: yeah it's not out of the question to see her emerge as a (laughs) as a chief marketing officer for for a a media or entertainment company but hey i mean the 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 line for now is that she's going to be back so uh we'll see what happens um Have you you've been following the news of the upfronts, Chris Gallo? Um, a, a
3: little bit. Uh, I'll get a lot through my feed, especially a lot of, uh... Th- this is probably one of the first upfronts with all these networks that there isn't a lot of superheroes, so I'm getting a lot of stuff on that theme for me uh, there. But, yeah, I, I am following a b- little bit of what we heard as far as WWE and AEW with the upfronts.
2: The biggest wrestling star at the Warner Brothers Discovery uh, upfront was, was which AEW star? Uh...
3: There wasn't any, was there? There
2: wasn't one. There wasn't one. The biggest wrestling star at the at the Warner Brothers Discovery up front was 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 this man. I, I, I can't put the mouse on him, I guess, but but there he is. If you look, uh, he's well to Shaq's right. It's John Cena, who uh, ap- appeared to promote uh, the the Wipeout series and uh, some other super superhero. What what is he? What is that superhero role that he played? Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Thank you. Um, but we, here we have this, this photo with uh, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zasloff of Cost Discipline fame uh, in the center posing with, with all of these stars uh, we've got Shaq of course he stands out as, as the tallest we've got Grant Hill here we've got Anderson Cooper we've got uh, what's, what's, uh, what, what? who's the guy who moved from Fox News to, uh, to CNN recently I forget his name uh, we've got Wayne Gretzky. Uh, we've got uh, Kelly from from The Office. What's what's her name? Mindy. Uh, Mindy Kaling. Mindy. Mindy Kaling. See, I'm, I'm I'm exposing myself as a media expert here. Uh, but a lot of people from a lot of different uh, properties that that Warner Brothers Discovery has the licensing rights to. And uh, no, no AEW. Now this was on a Wednesday uh, when they were taping Dynamite in Houston. But nonetheless, if uh if they wanted somebody to be there, as important as this is, I'm sure AEW could have sent someone. Um, Dave Meltzer has reported, and I've I've heard similar that there were there was a lot of back and forth in terms of how much AEW expected that they were going to be participating in this upfront. Uh there was a moment where, you know, in in the video they show this lineup of what's happening Monday through Sunday. Uh, and we've got Steph Curry uh representing the NBA. We've got uh What's what's this guy's name from Chopped? He used to be on Queer Eye. You know,
3: I name? always forget his name. Yeah, Ted. Ted. Yeah, Ted. Uh, Le- Why am I thinking Ted Levine?
2: Anyway, we got yeah. Red Velvet. Red Velvet representing uh, AEW. Uh, according to Tony Maglio, there was a uh, a moonsault as well. Clip of a moonsault uh, from AW content. Uh, Anderson Cooper representing CNN. Somebody from Gold Rush here. Somebody from Love It or List It, and and some uh, two people from uh, Ninety Day Ninety yeah. That's your favorite show, right? Um,
3: I actually friends in the wrestling business that love that show. It's a lot of drum.
2: So. And we talked about this. We haven't talked about this on Wrestleomics Radio proper, but we did talk about this on, on the uh, Who's a Draw live stream because the news had just broken that Brett Weitz uh, is soon to be the former. I think he, he said it was happening in 14 days, and maybe, I don't know if 14 days have gone by yet, but the former, if not already, you know, the soon-to-be, if not already, former general manager of the TNUTS, TNT, TBS, and True TV, he is out as part of this merger. We originally believed that he was going to stay with uh, Warner Brothers Discovery but uh, news breaking that he's not. He's leaving the company. Uh, what does that mean for AEW's relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery? Remains to be seen. One person AEW told me that it won't make any difference. It's, it's not concerning, uh, but it remains to be seen what, the, what that's going to mean. I mean, we, we uh, certainly saw little participation in this up front. Uh, no, nobody in person representing AEW. And in the past, there has been um, what you were going to, you're going to say, I was going to ask, was it Cody last year? I don't know about last year, but, but, uh, memorably, uh, Dynamite was introduced at the 2019, uh, Warner media upfront with, uh, there's some memorable pictures out there of, uh, Tony Khan and all the EVPs all standing together, Britt Baker in there to, uh, Brandy Rhodes in there to, uh. And people like that. Uh, I maybe, maybe I should have looked this up. I think maybe Rampage had been announced at, at previous at the previous upfront. Could be uh, maybe Rose yeah. to the top as well. Uh, so there's that. Um, but at the NBC Universal upfront, we've got the real champions of WWE here: The Miz and Bianca Belair. People that WWE certainly sees and the networks certainly see as the major stars here. The Miz, of course, is is not just on Raw, but he's also on Ms. And Mrs. Uh so there's that. And then we had Roman Reigns, and I couldn't find any pictures of Charlotte at the upfronts, but there's Roman Reigns at the Fox upfronts. Acknowledge him. He was our our uh we we acknowledged him as as more than anyone else in April 2022 to make this as narrow as possible. More than anyone else. A draw. Even Chris gallo admits it now. So there we have it. Uh so uh it's notable too that uh, according to that deadline article that we discussed last week, not just Fox Sports uh, handling the ad sales for SmackDown, but now NBC Sports handling the sales, the ad sales for Raw. So it's official. WWE is a sport again. True. I mean, not not in WWE's <laughs> eyes. Um, coincidentally, on the same day as the upfronts uh, for Fox and, and NBC, which I believe was Tuesday, uh, WB, uh, representation, WV's counsel, Kane L. Gates, uh, put out, that, I forget what the name of this document is, re- reply to opposition, I think. Uh, just, a, a, another iteration of their argument against MLW, MLW, if, if you're just catching up, uh, in January filed a complaint, filed a lawsuit against WV, alleging, antitrust violation alleging among other things that wb interfered with a deal with Fox-owned ad for, er, Fox-owned ad-supported streaming service Tubi, uh, MLW and Tubi purportedly were about to close the deal until allegedly Stephanie McMahon it's all ties together until allegedly according to MLW uh Stephanie McMahon uh intervened and pressured Tubi to cancel the deal uh that is what MLW alleges. So they've been going back and forth, uh, referencing a lot of case law that uh, I'm not equipped to explain and get into. But we can uh, read this part of of their argument uh, that, that that they filed this past week. Um, I don't suppose you can you can see this, Can you, Golo?
3: Yeah, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Okay. I, yeah, I will... Sorry for the
2: technical difficulties, everybody. By the way, <laughs> yeah, you, you've disappointed us all today, Golo, uh, with your summarily. Unprofessional behavior. MLW's attempts to cast professional wrestling as a sport, quote, quote, with scare quotes, quote unquote, sport, is not only clearly outside the four corners of its own complaint, it is also wholly inaccurate. First, plaintiffs that define a relevant market around sports and sports leads do so by alleging facts, it's in italics demonstrating that the sport product has no adequate substitutes through references to cross-elasticity of demand. You remember when um, uh, Idris... uh, What what was his role in The Wire? Um, uh, Oh, yeah. Why is this gaming? Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell taught us about elasticity of demand. Anyway, returning to the complaint. Uh, Second... And most importantly, or more importantly, MLW fails to allege facts to support its assertion that scripted professional wrestling is a sport because no facts, no such facts exist. Professional wrestling is a scripted drama, not a sport. It has as much in common with an actual sport as the Rocky films have with actual boxing. Indeed, Based on the facts alleged in the complaint alone, the market dynamics of professional wrestling are fundamentally different from those of a sport. For example, the U.S. has only one professional basketball league, the NBA. Although the NBA generates tremendous revenues, no other league even attempts to compete. Here, MLW alleges that multiple companies such as WWE, MLW, AEW, and Impact Wrestling all compete to sell broadcast rights to the same group of purchasers. This dynamic is consistent with the sale of general entertainment programming, and not sports programming. Thoughts and analysis, Chris Cullo?
3: Uh I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm surprised that they haven't even got themselves out. Of, like, put themselves in such a general bubble of the competing thing. It's like, you know, we we are not in the same market as FLW. We're in the same market as. Marvel movies and As
2: zombie films you know, and, and news shows. This is this is something that they, they've argued <laughs> previous to this is that they're uh, they're more akin to, to general entertainment. So why come after us? Um, so I, I thought it was you know somewhat contradictory. Not it doesn't under I don't know that it undermines their legal argument here that they're making, but uh, somewhat contradictory in in just the perception of, of, of me anyway that you're having uh, sports. Uh, the network's sports departments are now overseeing the ad sales of your two most important weekly shows uh, while you're arguing that you're not sports. Uh, there's clearly some, some... Obviously, it is a predetermined program, uh, but it is, uh, it is sports-like for what that's worth. Um, I, I did do some research this week on... This is, this is something I've quizzed you on in the past is that where do the networks get their money from and we obsess over the demo for for good reason uh but actually actually these tv networks get get the majority of their revenue from carriage fees to your cable or satellite carrier uh or your vmvpd carrier if you're like me and you subscribe to something like sling um and what we have here is i i i went into the at&t filings i went into the uh, comcast filings and i think just preparing myself perhaps for uh, i uh, i've been i was thinking about this on a, on a drive home uh, after the stephanie news and like man if, if NBC universal acquires wb you know what's going to happen we're not going to have w earnings calls anymore and what am i going to do with my life this could this be a very be, small factor of the this would be this is bad for us, We 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 shouldn't want WWE to be acquired. We want WWE to be an independent company because the more that the entirety of your business is WE, the more information and you know needs to be disclosed because more of it is material. But anyway, um, yeah, we, if if WB just to get sidetracked for a second, if WWE ends up getting. Acquired by a much larger company. I mean, think like Endeavor. I, I don't even look at the Endeavor filings, but I imagine there's very little UFC information. There's probably some, but but not that much UFC information in there. Uh, UFC is owned by Endeavor. Um, we
3: hardly ever knew anything about Ring of Honor because it was nope, such I'll a byline on Sinclair. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, and, and there's a little it, it, that might I'm be saying. that might be comparable by proportion. You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would have to think about it, but uh, Sinclair. I believe Sinclair's market cap is, is in the realm of WWE, uh, I, th- I think, you know, a few billion dollars in market cap. So, yeah, uh, Ring of Honor to Sinclair might be similar in proportion as WWE to Comcast, but I would have to think about that. Um, so, Warner Media still gets the majority of its revenue from subscription fees, what they call subscription fees, which is within what they now call the basic networks line of reporting that was formerly called the Turner Business Unit, which uh, appears to include TNT, TBS, True TV, but also CNN, HBO Max, and a load of other things, a load of other networks. Notable that WarnerMedia does not own a major broadcast network such as NBC, CBS, Fox, and things like that. It's mostly cable. Yes, they own half of CW, but CW is by far the the least watched major uh, English language broadcast network. I'm, I would I would venture to guess that the, you know the, the the Spanish language broadcast networks blows away uh, CW. But anyway. Um, So still the majority of the revenue for for this was still called Warner Media at the time. This is the most as of the most recent report that AT&T put out. Yes. So still subscriber fees, carriage fees, affiliate fees, whatever you want to call them accounting for 60%. The majority of Warner Media's Turner units, uh, basic networks revenue, Uh, advertising accounting for 33%. That is one third and then 7% in other which it's probably largely licensing of content. Um, and then I looked at the NBC, what, the, what is called the NBC Universal Media line of reporting within Comcast's reporting. Uh, so they used to break out um, cable separate from broadcast. No more. This is all in one. So we don't get that separation. Uh, but when it's all together, we end up with 45% in distribution revenue, which I read to, to mean carriage fees, affiliate fees, subscriber fees, whatever you want to call them, and then 47% in advertising revenue. So about about a 50-50 split, another 8% in the other category. Um, I speculate that that's skewed by NBC Broadcast Network. Um, sports TV ratings on Twitter pointed out to me that uh, you know they think that maybe this has to do with NBC not being as aggressive uh when it comes to negotiating carriage fees because comcast is their parent company so they don't want to drive up the you know the, the demand the price of of what they themselves are having to pay for uh, so that certainly seems plausible but anyway uh I, I guess that you know the point remains even even uh without parsing it further from what we see here that Subscriber fees are at least as much of a factor in television as advertising is. Um, when it comes to how we read the ratings, this, this is how I've always pointed to the to, to say, I don't know, maybe P2 Plus does matter because it represents subscribers. And it represents a bigger, or at least as big, of a piece of the TV economy as advertising does. So there, there's that. But perhaps you could, you could make an argue, argument at the demo to say... You know, uh, well, the demo represents a younger demographic. Represents a demographic that's going to be around longer and uh, subscribing longer, perhaps. Um, but anyway, there's that, and uh, and I just put this this uh, this is what I want uh, my new back- backsplash to be here. Have you have I ever shown you an image like this, called?
3: Uh I think maybe once, but not this. Like I've seen the the, the little blocked outs, but maybe not this intense
2: what we have here is a, is a visual representation of the top 5,000 programs over the last roughly 365 days. Uh, so I've included here not just the showbiz data, not just the cable originals, not just the broadcast primetime, English language broadcast primetime. Some pointed out to me that I've been leaving out because we don't have access to the data, or at least I don't know where to get it, the Spanish language uh, broadcast. Uh, data, which you know, this, this is quite substantial, um, and it also includes from ratingsryan.com the reruns. So this is this is, this is including the, uh, the the top 200 weekly reruns that now wrap around for a full year uh, in the data that I've collected from ratingsryan.com. So this is just about one year, anyway. Um, Gull has Gulo has disappeared. Oh, there he is. Okay, you're you're making a lot of noise. I'm putting it on mute. Um, what we've got here is a representation of where the major wrestling programs land in that top 5,000 scope. So, uh, if if you're watching on YouTube, you just start at the, at the top left and you count down, that's the first 50. And then you go, go left to right from there. And then we start to see some blue dots about a third of the way through this 5,000 list. Uh, and then we get to some red dots, the red dots overlap somewhat with the blue dots. And then we get to some gray dots that overlap somewhat with the red dots. The blue dots, of course, represent SmackDown, which being on Fox is the most watched wrestling program that there is, followed by Raw, followed by Dynamite. And then we do see two instances of Rampage here too. By the way, this is, this is 1849. This is not total viewership. But we, we do see two instances of Rampage appearing. The, the high instance of Rampage is right in the middle of, of the SmackDown and the Raw. And I, I'm not sure, but I'm almost certain that that's, uh, that's the CM Punk debut episode. And then we've got one back here. I don't know what the date is on, on it, but it lands in the, in the back end of, of where the Dynamite uh, squares show up. Uh, so, so there's that. Just to, to illustrate, look, wrestling is still quite popular. Uh, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball are very highly ranked. But wrestling, wrestling is, is quite valuable also. And the more highly ranked you are, the more valuable you are. So there's that. So are you situated now?
3: Yeah, I was just seeing if I can somehow uh, reboot, if the computer were turned on now, and it still wouldn't. Okay. Okay.
2: So uh, have you uh, seen, Golo, that the stadium shows are now on sale for WV?
3: Yes, and these uh, these posters are are quite a uh, quite interesting. They're they're uh, almost indie flair, but also WCW nineteen ninety three flair
2: too. Okay. Tremendous job here by the uh, the WWE graphics team. Um, so we've got uh, Money in the Bank on sale, SummerSlam on sale, Clash of the Castle on sale. These are the latest numbers according to WrestleTix. Uh, we've got. Over 19,000 tickets distributed as of last count in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, the home of SummerSlam last year. SummerSlam this year is in Nashville. Over 22,000 tickets out as of last count by WrestleTicks, And then Clash of the Castle, uh, I understand tickets have been priced uh, pretty high, but according to WrestleTicks, over 53,000 tickets already out. So uh, that's going to be an enormous gate, I think. They price tickets high, and tickets have not sold out, but they have sold fifty-three thousand of them. So I have to think that that's going to be.
3: How many tickets are available for that one?
2: I, I don't know. I, I, I know that uh, Russell Tix has, has pointed out that it, this is not a Ticketmaster map. This is uh, this is a map that's harder to to pull data out of, um, but uh, we'll we'll probably get a get a better idea as the event draws nearer. Um, when it comes to capacity, it's, the capacity changes all the time, right? Like, for, for example, the, uh, what's what's the, uh, the Forbidden Door Show, which is at uh, United Center in Chicago in June, um, the capacity for that has, has definitely changed over time. You know, tickets were mostly sold out right away, and they've made more tickets available. It appears that they're reducing the stage uh, and, and putting more tickets in, in the back of, of the, the arena that would normally be blocked off by a stage uh so the capacity of, of a the capacity can change just because the production gets finalized and they realize what tickets that previously were held off just in case now those tickets can be available or the configuration itself is in the case of door could change or what what i think happens is that they just don't put all the tickets on especially if they don't anticipate a quick sellout i think they just don't put all the tickets on sale uh right away maybe just to to produce the perception to the ticket buyer that, you know, to to not make it look like there's an abundance of tickets available, just to try to make it look like there's a little bit of demand there is is the only thing that I can surmise. But uh, so all of that can change as far as that's what affects the capacity that WrestleTix ends up uh, counting. These are the tickets that have been put on sale not necessarily all the tickets that could be put on sale, that ends up being different, and then finally, the finalized number of tickets that are or could be put on sale will change as as the the actual date of the event uh happens so anyway um thoughts on on these ticket sales we've got still you know July second is is money in the bank July thirtieth is summer slam September I believe it's third I wrote thirtieth on here, which is incorrect um, but uh Clash of the Castle, I would be happy with that. Um, Money in the Bank, is it going to get a lot higher? We've still got got more than a month here to go on Money in the Bank. Uh, You're going to end up selling probably at least twice as many tickets as you would sell in in an arena. I don't know what the pricing is like for these tickets, um, but uh, it, it probably ends up making it worth it. I'm sure the production of these events is going to be more expensive because it's at a... At a stadium, if nothing else, it's it's probably just more expensive to get into a stadium before you end up, perhaps, creating a more elaborate production in a stadium. Um,
3: um I mean, I think as far as like money in the bank, I mean, I'm I just hope that it is a different experience for those fans in Allegiant Stadium than it was for SummerSlam 2021, uh, as far as the machines and, and all that. Uh, but the with SummerSlam.
2: What happened at SummerSlam? The, the credit card
3: machine stopped working, and then they couldn't uh, serve concessions, and and including water. Okay. Um, and then uh, with SummerSlam, I've noticed that there's other events that are now attaching themselves to that weekend. And I think that does help draw a small number of people. Oh, let's make a weekend of it. Let's also buy tickets to SummerSlam. And I think you'll probably see that. Increase next coming weeks. I think the next day after is Ric Flair's last match. They're promoting it at Starcast and stuff. So
2: I wondered if you were going to bring this up. Yeah. So Are you I gonna would be. You're going to be attending Ric Flair's last match. Uh, I, I am not, but uh, I have a friend
3: that will most likely be producing it.
2: <laughs> is he okay? Um, yeah. yeah. Rick, Ricky Steamboat reportedly rumored to be involved clarifying that he is not involved. He will not be involved in, um, in Ric Flair's last match. I saw a headline somewhere earlier today. I think it was on the Torch site. Um, Ric Flair claims that 40 doctors have approved him, have cleared him, or something like that. I'm surprised he didn't, he didn't claim 93,179 or something. Um, yes. I've, I've become a big proponent of late of uh, retiring with dignity. Uh, but anyway oh here, here we go we've got a statement from WWE that came out Monday night uh, it reads I'll read it to you since you can't read it <laughs> when Sasha Banks this is from WWE when Sasha this is on W.com Even when WWE and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon this is again Monday they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw during the broadcast they walked into WWE Head of Relations Head of Talent Relations John Laurinaitis's office with their suitcases in hand placed their tag team championship belts on his desk and walked out they claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions and even though they had 8 hours to rehearse and construct their match they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with Two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event. That statement from WWE. Um, and then on Friday night, it is now Sunday, uh, as we record this. And then on Friday night, um, <laughs> Pat McAfee made some faces as as, as Michael Cole uh, read, read this statement, which we'll play now. The WWE Women's Tag Team Champions walked off the show
3: and walked out of the we're building during Monday Night Raw. Uh, they were supposed to take part in this, the main event, the Six-Pack Challenge. Where the winner would be next in line to face bianca belair for the raw women's championship however sasha and naomi took the tag team championships into the office of our head of talent relations left them there and then promptly walked out of the arena their actions disappointed millions of wwe fans and their fellow superstars so because of what sasha and naomi did this past monday night they have been suspended indefinitely and we will have a future
2: tournament to crown the new w w e women's tag team champions There we have it. Michael Cole doing the dirty work there um I, I did watch this a few times and he does i'm like how did he how does he do this was there just somebody in his ear? No, he's he's reading reading from something on his desk um, uh Pat Matt did, have you seen this clip before today yeah, yeah. Um, they, they posted it to their, their Twitter account too. We have um, our friend David Vixen's fan on Twitter pointing out, uh, "This is the face you make when you realize you work for Pravda Sports Entertainment." Um, I don't know that. And, and Pat McAfee did, did say as they were transitioning to the to the next to the entrances that they were I mean, for, for the match that was following. Uh, he, he did he did make a comment, sort of saying, "All right," um, but I, I don't read. That much into Pat McAfee being Pat McAfee and just making a bunch of faces.
3: You got to remember, though, he wasn't a players' union, so I think he would always probably truthfully be on the side of, you know, the players at this point. that this thing, the talent, you know,
2: maybe. Um, who knows? Um, anyway, I, I I I I think there might be a real opportunity for WWE to uh, put out their own uh, news publication. Uh, are you familiar with pravda?
3: not not really. I've heard the term a couple of times, but
2: it's it's too bad that your laptop's not working. I would have you go to pravda.ru and uh read a few headlines out of there. Um Pravda is a uh is a publication that was founded oh, in the early 20th century by by uh, the uh the the Russian Communist Party. Uh but it still exists today and they and they still love Putin. Um, but, uh, you know, per- perhaps there's a, uh, an opportunity for WWE to do something similar. Uh, I think they could, you know, produce some really great headlines, such as this, perhaps. Um, but they also at the same time that that announcement was made, I don't know if that, that the timing was exact, but at least on that day, people realized that you can't find Sasha Banks merchandise on WWE Shop. You can't find Naomi merchandise on WWE Shop, so they pulled their merchandise. Um, John Pollock has a really good article on postwrestling.com discussing uh, this story and, and all the issues, among, among other things. You know, you know, Pointing out that um, there's a match with Sasha Banks herself on SummerSlam uh, that was um, among the biggest matches on that card. It was one of the biggest cards of the year for WWE. Uh, Sasha Banks was advertised to wrestle Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. Uh, advertised right up to the moment before the match went to the ring. Uh, they were playing video packages promoting the event. Uh, this is, of course, where Becky Lynch comes back. Uh, Sasha Banks was unable to appear for uh, reasons that I think have, been, have, been, have not been publicly disclosed. But um, they advertised that match and then it didn't deliver it. Uh, pretty similar to... I, I don't know. Was the six-pack six challenge match even advertised? I'm not sure. <laughs> but I'm sure people were not anticipating, whatever the case, I'm sure people were not anticipating the, um, the, the six-pack challenge match as much as people might have been anticipating the uh, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair match at SummerSlam, which was advertised and, you know, deliberately not delivered <laughs> by, by WWE uh, when they could have announced that Sasha Banks was not going to be uh, participating in the event. You know, and any amount of time they could have announced that in advance of, of, of the match that they weren't going to deliver uh, so there's that um, any, any thoughts about summarily unprofessional behavior you'd like to make here? Chris Gull you're familiar with that
3: we got a few uh, um, I think we can both you know think that a statement was weird that there was a public statement made and then they're continuing with this, you know, on SmackDown making the statement, we have seen unprofessional behavior on WWE television multiple times. Uh, well, maybe not WWE television, whole, but WWE television and events multiple times in the last 12 to 18 months, we had the Charlotte and Becky incident, no statement. We had Jeff Hardy walking out on a house show. I believe no statement, or at least no mention of it on television. um, I mean, those two first just did come to mind uh, with this. Oh, we had the Nia Jax uh,
2: Charlotte shoot pretty much <laughs> happening in the-, the, the UWFI rules smash. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, and we had no statement or no mention of, of, of the reality of it on television. So I think that has to be put into question of why they would
2: make this statement. Well, I think um, the, difference, the, the difference is that these were workers using the only means of leverage that they really have which is their physical presence and physical participation in the content, in the matches uh, and they were using that, you know, that that, that little power that they have um, Charlotte, Nia Jax I don't know, what, I forget what other examples you were mentioning there, but... Be- Be- Becky, Jeff Hardy right, and, and any of those, well I guess maybe, I don't know what was going on with Jeff Hardy but, but um, uh they decided that they weren't happy with something, and they walked out. Um, Charlotte did not walk out, you know. Uh, but, but yeah, and and sh- and sh- I, don't I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't want to speculate too too far because I don't know all the details of, of what, what, um, what problems were. But yeah.
3: But uh, this can kind of segue in though. Sasha Banks is a big star for them, I think, and just seeing being at a live event recently at Raw, like the crowd popped. For her, her and Naomi was absolutely crazy um, but I see, I see you're going to go into the Google Trends room, we actually had a super chat here Maybe. from Sagizzle. Uh would you all look into Sasha's ratings power over the years, important data in this labor struggle so Thank I think you. this is where we're going to kind of discuss a little bit at least the uh, Google Trends and all that
2: yeah and uh, we, we did do the uh the video a couple weeks ago on, on everything in April, all the quarter hours and all the YouTube views and, and web search in April uh, that, that is on the Wrestleomics YouTube channel um, Sasha did not register in that month, um, but that's just one month, um, but we do have here um, we do have here the, the Google Trends for the last, 12, last full 12 months May 2021 to last month april 2022 and she ends up being of i believe the requirement for this query let's call it uh was that you had to have at least one match in that period in that 12 month period and what we end up with is sasha banks the 10th most searched for wrestling personality who had a match um and would she would be the number two woman on this list behind ronda rousey um if if web search tells you everything, which certainly it doesn't, but if, if web search is a reliable indicator of somebody's economic value, let's say, um, then I know we're only looking at 12 months here, but from studying this stuff for a long time. Um, she's outperformed Charlotte for a long time, and I would say it's not really arguable to me that Charlotte has been more heavily pushed than Sasha Banks. And uh I don't really know of what the good reason is why. Um, other than maybe Charlotte is uh, is related to a wrestler. Um, or maybe Vince sees Sasha Banks is injury prone. I don't know. Or too small. But but yeah, she's been very highly ranked on this list for what it's worth. Web search. Web search does not indicate anything about revenue, but maybe it suggests something about it. Uh, but people ahead of her are, are only. Rey Mysterio. Goldberg. Randy Orton, CM Punk, Steve Austin, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and number one doubling almost everybody, doubling o- Roman Reigns just about. John Cena, um, who did have some matches in the last little months, so yeah, it's uh, it, Sasha Banks is no small star to them. Um, I
3: don't well, know. too, the she's also a crossover star too she appeared in the Mandalorian for a couple episodes and like her, you wouldn't acting know career is it, wouldn't know it by watching
2: WWE programming. No,
3: he hasn't, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you,
2: have you watched that stuff?
3: Yes. a uh, big Mandalorian fan. She was great in it.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's, uh, reports that maybe their contracts are coming up soon. Maybe one of that for one of them, their contracts is coming up soon. I have no idea personally. Uh, but, uh, maybe that's playing into this as well. Um, Apparently, they were unhappy with the plans for the direction that the women's tag titles were going in. Um, Apparently, they were going to... One was going to pin the other in this six-pack challenge match, and then they were going to go on to wrestle the different women's champions for the the two brands. Um, They were unhappy with this. Um, Various reports about talent's reaction to this. Um, Are they just being marked for the belt? I, I, I would speculate what happened here is that they are advocates for for the tag division for the women's tag division and it wasn't meeting what they wanted it to be and perhaps they had been promised that it would be something it would be treated treated with more importance and they saw what whatever the creative plans were here on monday they saw that as a sign that it was not going to meet uh what they expected or what they hoped um
3: and to just add to that point, they announced that tournament, and Sean Rossap pointed out that there is only two active women's team tag teams. Yeah, they'll,
2: they'll slap some teams together, you know. <laughs> on the roster. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there are, to, to my view, you know, there there are more important things I think to be uh, unhappy about. If I if I were Sasha Banks, and just based on the limited information that I see, uh, I, I would be unhappy about not being pushed harder, not being uh, promoted more heavily, more, more in the line or beyond Charlotte, because I, I think Sasha Banks is a more, a more I don't know if popular is the word, but a more marketable, more valuable star than, than Charlotte Flair is. And, and I don't know. I don't know why she hasn't been pushed to the same degree. Uh, but anyway, um, we'll see what happens. Um, in the past, people's contracts have been frozen. Mustafa Ali was an, an, another person who decided that he, you know, he didn't like what they were doing with him and, and he tried to get his release. These, these two have not yet reportedly asked for their releases, but uh, uh, who knows what will unfold here. Mustafa Ali did end up coming back to TV. He's currently on TV. Um, CM Punk, <clears throat> memorably, in 2014, went home, took his ball and went home. Steve Austin, the original taker of balls to go home, um, I, I did rewatch the uh, the Confidential episode where they where Jr. and Vince bury the hell out of out of Steve Austin <laughs> uh, for for taking his ball and going home in what is it two thousand two? Um, Vince calls Vince calls, walking out uh, uh, the the unforgivable sin in our business. So <clears throat> so you can see if you know if that's the way that Vince felt about. Austin leaving in 2002, that he would feel pretty strongly about this happening as well. I think, I think that's what's that's what's largely behind. I would guess, what's largely behind this emotional press release that they put out on uh, on Monday night. Um, yes. I was just saying on Twitter this morning,
3: uh, Jesse Collins, who always does an awesome job filling in for me, by the way, put a, a post that it'd be interesting to see if the fans revolt against this, and we start seeing Sasha Chance in the arena, much like we were getting Punk Chance in 2014 and for years
2: following that. Yeah, I don't know. They 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 let down the W universe though, and I think I mean maybe I would be somewhat surprised. Um, is that? Uh, um, Punk represented more of a, uh, a rebellious perspective in, in, in wrestling fandom that, you know, Sasha Banks, for her star power, does not. Um, and I think that's somewhat what, what was behind that. Uh, but we'll see. Um, any other points to make here?
3: Uh, no, I just, uh, you know, it. like I said, I think the statement took me for surprise. Um you know, we we just, we talked about it before when, you know, Tony Khan made the comments about Big Swole. Probably not the best move. I'm going to say the same thing about this for WWE. Same. Not, not the best move doing this. Um,
2: yeah, I, I guess something that's crossed my mind related really to the story is that like if, if if I were them I would definitely and maybe they already do have agents I would definitely want, want, want to get some advice from the lawyers uh, who have have uh, my interests at heart uh, about what what I need to be worried about what I need to do and not do in this situation um, I don't know we'll, we'll see their, their side of the story hasn't been told yet so I don't know if, if there's if it's advisable for them to do so or what. Well, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised either to see them, to see the situation resolved. That was my feeling on Tuesday morning. Uh, s- somebody in, in the broader media world asked me if this was a work or not. And I said, no, this is not a work. Um, and uh, I, I explained uh, why, uh, you know, why I think it's not a work. And I, and I said that, you know, I, th- I think this will pass. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll resolve this. I'm less sure now, <laughs> especially well, after I- they were kind of buried on Friday.
3: We have to point out the fact that both their spouses are employed by WWE.
2: Is uh, Sasha Banks' spouse employed by WWE?
3: Yeah, he is in the uh, like gear making wardrobe. Like at are least sure most that? recently, you sure, sure he's employed by WWE? Or maybe he's an independent contractor. But like, okay, I, I mean, I, I, I know I, he, I know he was at one point. I believe he still is. I could be wrong on that, but mm-hmm.
2: we never heard That's his dumb. name on a release or anything. But Naomi is married to one of the Usos. I don't know which one. <laughs> one of the Usos, though, uh, who went out and had a match immediately after that announcement. But uh, anyway, alrighty. <laughs> and uh, just to to close, we d- we do through through uh, various uh, means of research over the years. We now have a more complete picture, or at least I have a more complete picture of WWE's annual revenue. This is through records from. The Ohio Secretary of State, through uh, some records from legal filings, are you familiar with the uh, the Albert Patterson of WF Superstars fame, Superstars of Wrestling fame? I should say. I'm I'm um, kind of mad that I don't know that because I so I like all the obscure. I, I may be wrestlers. getting some of the details wrong. If if I, if I am, Bix will correct me. Um, there's so so obviously the WF had a program called Superstars for many years. I think originally it was called Superstars of Wrestling, because that's what initi- I think yeah. that's what initiate, initiated the, the litigation. Uh, there's another wrestling promoter named Albert Patterson, who who claimed to have, I don't know if he claimed to have the trademark on that, but had prior use. Uh, sued to WWE over this, is my understanding, and uh, so WF ended up no longer calling it Superstars of Wrestling, but, and maybe they had to settle with Albert Patterson. Anyway, because of the, that litigation, we got some information about what kind of money w, WF at the time WF at the time was generating. Uh, and so we have this. And, I, and then I went, so we have this going all the way back to 1984. Uh, so this is like just before WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania. And uh, I adjusted this all for inflation, and uh, we, we are missing 1992. We are missing 1992. Uh, Ohio Secretary of State either lost it or damaged it. <laughs> but we're still missing one year. But we do have every year of of revenue with maybe different accounting methods through the years. But And we do have different fiscal years because W be changed its fiscal year in 2007 to become... The calendar year ending in December, as opposed to ending in April, which is when it ended previously. And then some of these other records are are from U.S. tax returns, apparently, so they reflect the calendar year anyway. Adjusted for inflation, W is still by far making the most money it ever made. No, WWF did not make more money in the in the Hulkamania era. Uh, by by, you know, any indication here? Uh, you go look back in in the the eighties. We do have at least the late eighties here. Uh, where they were making in today's dollars, you know, still less than in their best year in today's dollars and it was was 89 where they made $122 million in real time money, which is the equivalent of today, about $229 million. So uh, by... 1999, they were, they were exceeding that. So we could say that, and, and, and look, a lot of this just has to do with the, the revenue opportunities that were available at the time, you know, maybe licensing in the 80s was not what it was in the 90s. And in the, in the early 2000s, I would think that that's the case. Um, and maybe merchandise hadn't evolved to the point that it that it later evolved to, but we could say just in terms of revenue, the Attitude Era generated more revenue than uh, than the Hulkamaneh era. Um, certainly adjusted for inflation, it did. Um, but now, today, with all the guaranteed money re- you know, resources that they have, the, the TV licensing deals that they have, the Saudi Arabia licensing deal that they have, they're making more money than ever, even adjusted for inflation. I mean, this is many, many times uh, the, the amount of revenue that they were generating in the 80s, right? I, I'm estimating about 2, 1.2 billion, maybe $1.3 billion of revenue in 2022, which is not out of the realm of what stock analysts are estimating. And uh, that's in today's dollars, obviously, if you go back to the 80s, I mean, the, the best year in the 80s was 89, where they generated the equivalent of $229 million. So that's, you know, that's more than not, it's not 10 times, but it's, uh, what, what is that about six times? about six times the revenue of the best year of the 80s. Um, the best year of the 90s, well, let's say that 2001 uh, was was the best year of what we might call the Attitude Era, if you want to go that far. It is April, ending April 2001, so that was $658 million in today's money. Uh, that's about half of what they'll generate this year. Hmm. So there you have it. Uh, that's all. Any, anything else to add or to say? Uh, I think we.
3: I think Sean Ross mentioned that Obw has signed a deal with one of the three major streaming services of Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, but we have not found out right. who that is. So it would be interesting to see what that is. There is a lot of wrestling on Amazon Prime, so that mm-hmm. would be my guess. If you look for it, it's there. Well, I don't well, know I how featured. F- Fightful has product. reported
2: that they they asked Hulu and they asked Amazon Prime, I believe and both denied Netflix did not deny. So like that Netflix.
3: would be very interesting to see. So
2: yeah, I'm, I'm going to assign you to watch some episodes of OVW and report back next week.
3: I'm sure we'll get tagged in a Twitter post by Jesse Goddard's once it's official, okay. <laughs> the, the TV deal. So, Okay.
2: Okay. That, that's all I have. Uh, if you hit like share subscribe, that really helps us. Um, Patreon.com slash Russellnomics. I have all the TV ratings information nearly every day. There's a TV ratings update in addition to other information. Um, and you can follow Chris Gullo, too.
3: Yeah, follow me at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Chris Gullo. Uh, Rediscovering the Indies. Uh, the Burr Prentice episode has been getting a lot of great feedback uh, by some interesting individuals, which I'll tell you off the air, Brandon. But uh, you should listen to it as well, RTI Pod. Uh, and uh, and once again, folks, I really apologize for the technical difficulties. Brandon can tell you, as of 1055, my laptop was working. I did a reboot just to make sure we were good, and now it's I not turning out. Reboot. To...
2: I told you to reboot. Hopefully, you, hopefully you say, it's not said dead. You that you hate to reboot. You it say, you, say, you, say, yeah, you I hate do. rebooting, and I said, do it anyway. <laughs> I do. So uh, I uh, hopefully
3: it, it's not dead, and if not, we'll we'll figure something out by next week. Hopefully.
2: Uh, he, he sounded okay to me. We'll, we'll see. And then the, the podcast edition should be fine either way. All right. So thanks to everybody for listening and tuning in. Thanks just for the super chats. Thanks to Post Wrestling for being our podcast distribution partner. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next time at Sunday at 11 Eastern.
0: Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies,